0: You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. My name is Oliver Davis. Of course, immediately I'm interested in the kit you've got there, because I am a nerd. I am Oliver Davis. I'm a a composer. Um, I write predominantly classical music. Um, And I'm sitting here in the Royal Festival Hall foyer chatting to you. When were, we,
1: when were you last here at the Royal Festival Hall? Do you recall?
0: Yes, the last time I was here was for uh, a meeting about a soundtrack for a film. <laughs> I realise I've, I've gone into something quite personal.
1: i no, it's like, <laughs> not business-like. No, I was thinking about a concert
0: already. No, no, actually, but of course with the pandemic, you know, I haven't been here for a, uh, a concert. And funnily enough, I, we were initially going to meet at mm. QEH. Foyer, and I tried to walk in there, and suddenly three security guards came over. I couldn't actually. Did you feel slightly affronted, as like, well, no, I should be allowed to go in here? Well, I, I, I think I think both both me and the, and the initial guardsman, he was a bit shocked that I got past the padlock bit. So I must have been quite wow, keen. Wow. And um, and it sort of so I had to apologise for breaking his padlock, but then 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 sort of he was quickly. Um, Kind of ha- ha- had three other people came along, and then they sort of said, "Oh, uh, why are you here?" You know, and I said, "Oh, well, isn't it open to the public?" They said, "No, it's all closed." And I said, "Oh, that's that's really sad." I said, yes, he said, absolutely. what do you mean?" Yes. I said, "When does it open?" He said, "No, no, no, no. It's, uh, you know, it's it's oh, we're closed. It's COVID. There's no. It's just totally no, right. and, like, the, and They haven't re- they, haven't, no. heard the they, they haven't, haven't heard the news. Haven't they haven't heard the news, have they? <laughs> they haven't heard the news, and so it was a bit of a oh well. This is quite symbolic, really. And I just said this is really tragic because I remember as a kid. Being in that foyer a lot because my parents would have concerts on and I would be sitting there with my brother looking like idiots trying to sell their records in the, in the interval, right? Wow, well, you know. okay,
1: I must ask you about your parents.
0: Right, so that, <laughs> that sounds like my, slave labour. My, my, <laughs> so my connection with, uh, with this whole kind of centre, if you like, the South Bank, goes back a very long way. And it's, uh, it's enormously important. It's a big part of my childhood, really. What were you doing
1: here in your childhood? Though? You were selling CDs. Yeah, your parents was, got you to sell CDs. In the interval, or what? Yeah,
0: exactly. So, interval and after the gigs. So, um, my mum typically would play in the Purcell room. She's right. a harp And my father, he was a leader of the, the Albanian quartet. so he would be playing in the QEH often. So, we, you know, we would, we would come to that and... Um, so yeah, it was. It was. The, 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 I just remember uh, uh, coming here a lot as a child. So that's my connection with this this area.
1: I'm, I'm suddenly feeling really sorry that that you would. <laughs> Your formative years are peppered with, with retail experiences. <laughs> is that, is that, and that, I mean, that's the image that I now have. No, uh, correct that, me I, if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, no, no, you're wrong. It was like literally, you know, we we it was it was a kind of fun thing. Someone had to sell them. My parents couldn't sell the, the discs, but it was just, just a way of you know topping up <laughs> an artist's income, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, fine, fine.
1: Okay. Did you know then? Did you have an inkling then of what you wanted to do? Oh, totally.
0: But unfortunately for my... Whereas my my parents were sort of thinking I would go totally in a classical route, but at 11 I discovered synthesizers. I I started playing the violin at three, and, you know, I I was just... Literally, I, I was this small... Um, Annoying musician. <laughs> Three I, years. Old. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> oh, I was small but <laughs> o- obese, and someone just shoved this violin under one of my many chins, and then off I went. And and I wasn't. Um, I was very behind at school. I was you know struggled, a dyslexic, and all all sorts of special labels, I guess. But I think that the one thing I had is that I could play the violin. Mm. But then I discovered uh, synthesizers at eleven, and I just. Loved the idea of recording synthesizers, and that took over, much to my parents. Horror, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yes. But then I started generating music on that, and that was the beginning of everything, really, for me. When
1: you said that you discovered synthesizers, make it sound as though someone had put it in an understair's cupboard or something. How no, did you go about music. discovering
0: it? Was the, it was the music of uh, Kraftwerk and Tangerine Dream and, and all these electronic bands and old Human League... Tracks and I, I just loved it all. I was a proper geek into all this electronic synthesizer music of that era. And, and so I wanted to make my own. And so I formed bands and then by 16 made my first vinyl album and then 18 my first CD and then went to the Academy, went to Royal Academy as the first ever commercial music student. Um, I was the only one on the course so I was pushed into doing, I had to sort of join the jazz course yeah, as well it's because the were. Ca- it's <laughs> the only category that we can put him in so yeah, yeah. we'll put him in jazz but i also w- was doing the straight course so i was sort of juggling the two so as a straight composer like, as in you know mainstream composition classical composition so it was an interesting combination i think that combination has gone on to this day I- i've always hovered between did the you, two did you like that that
1: sort of slight Confused identity that comes about from sort
0: of straddling different courses. Did you like that? I, 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 that's a very good question. I think I liken it to—it's exactly what Henry Mancini had. Right? He said, "You know, the squares think I'm a jazzer, and the jazzers think I'm a square," and that's a really good description. That I've always hovered between these—you know—I doing TV and film music, and then, but deep down, I wanted to do classical and. In, in, when I'm writing classical music, there's all these hints and rhythms of stuff that's actually very popular. Popular rhythms and pop, you know, pop music and pop culture. So, yeah, I, I, I like, without ever describing my music as crossover, because that sort of implies certain genres of music I don't like. Um, Great, I'm, I will come back to that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. So, so, so where is the creative tension then? Is, that, is, is the creative tension there in, that, in straddling different genres? Or, or do you find yourself railing against something else creatively?
0: I think that w- it's, there's not so much... Because there
1: needs to be tension in order to be creative,
0: does there not? Uh, I think there does. But I think also it can just literally be as simple as when I'm writing... It's a bit like, the, the way that I write is very much like you're, you're jamming with yourself, you know, as a composer you have to be a sort of gregarious loner, you know, and, and, and so this sort of, and especially the way we all write on computers now, which is very inferior to writing straight to paper, but, but I think that so, it, it, there, there, there does have to be some kind of tension, yes, that's a, that's a good way of describing the creative process, but a lot of the time, it's just getting excited by an idea and then building on that and building on it and, and turning it into something. Um, and a lot of the time, you're failing, you know. <laughs> most, most of the time, what you generate really isn't that good, but the public don't need to hear that.
1: <laughs> I'm very honest on you. Yeah Does the... Uh, I hope you don't mind me asking, I didn't expect to ask this, but does the dyslexia...
0: Does that extend to manuscript then? Or is yes. it only to words? No, it's, uh, it's, it's awful. The, I mean, if, if you were to... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably also ADHD and, and a few other things, but if you were to put a switch on this table and say, all your special needs, we can switch them off, I'd say, no, 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 no just leave it, because that's who I am, that's my identity, and that's, you know, part of what... It, I think it's part of what enables me to do what I do. But at the same time... I am at a disadvantage because academically I was massively behind. I failed all my GCSEs apart from music. I, you know, it, school was an enormous struggle. So, um, and, and that does extend to the academic side of music. And it, and it extends to, for example, I didn't have a problem when it was one line playing the violin and I can follow orchestral scores, no problem, I don't do that all day, all day long. But, for example, if you were to like, play the piano, it's a huge problem because... You're trying to tell, I, I can't tell my um, hands to, to do different things at the same time. And I often, I'm not exactly right, left or right handed, right? So I call it ambidextrous. useless I can't, <laughs> can't really do either. Um, but it does, it does affect. Um, it does affect my music and, you know, concentration and all, all sorts of things. But well, I ask because there's a
1: lot of precision in, and a lot of clarity in everything that you write. I mean, you only have to listen to a selection of tracks from every album to hear that characteristic. And that, that says to me precision and detail and planning. And that's why I'm interested in, you know, how do you, how do you arrive at that if writing it down is a struggle I realise there's loads of assumptions baked into that question
0: well I think the, the, the first thing is how how does one create the music in the first place like what, what, what is that process for that individual for, for me it's a very physical process it's not uh, any kind of like right well I've got this pattern and I'm going, this is the first subject and it's going to be... So often, you know, musicians will say, oh, yeah, well, in the recap and I'm like, what recap? I didn't even know I did a recap. Did I do a recap? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, so my, I just... not even recall. No, 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 not at all. It's just I'm not, I I never look at, when when I'm composing, there's nothing academic going on at all. There's no, you know, the, the, if it feels right, I go along with it. You know, and and, and I generate it, and sometimes there are pieces, and you don't, you won't notice it, but they'll start in one key and end in another. <laughs> you know, and so I, I managed to, I manage to sort of fudge it and almost fool the audience into thinking. <laughs> Do like you realize i to selling your A day, people seem people seem to like it. Whatever I'm doing, it seems to have worked, and I'm like, yeah, okay, great. It's and and I think the way I'm writing it, it's a bit like when I was a kid writing all those pop songs. I'm just, you, it's just in a different genre, right? But it's the same process. It's you know, um, really more and much closer to singer songwriters than I am someone who's like hindemic, you know, who's very academic.
1: But doesn't that create a problem when you've got an entire orchestra and you're a recording engineer? I mean, that. not at all.
0: Not at all. No, because I'm still obviously I, I I'm, you know, I take my ideas and then I, you know, I write it all in you know, a software called Cubase, and then I'll and, and I'll be thinking about the orchestration and then I'll orchestrate those ideas out and I will think right, oh, I give that to the first violin, that's the same, and then I, you know, I'm conceiving it as I go along. Um, you know, it's kind of if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> when did you, uh, when
1: were you first aware of the dyslexia? I'm not going to make this conversation about dyslexia, yeah, I promise you, but I, when I were you first so, aware of
0: that? I was about, well, I mean, because the word didn't really exist in the late 70s, early 80s, so it, it was bantered around, it wasn't an official term, as far as, well, certainly not in my primary school, it wasn't. Um, and then it's about 12, I had a test, 12, 13. And then it was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're dyslexic. Um, Did that help? No. <laughs> no, I mean, knowing, I no, didn't know whether no, no. I mean, I knew straight away, you know, that, oh, okay, yeah, I definitely have a, a problem here, you know. But then I sort of say to myself, no, no, it's not a problem. It's just like we've got this crazy assumption that because, you know, the only way we, we can actually... Evaluate someone's intelligence is by a, a written exam. Well, that's crazy, you know. Um, don't judge me on that, just judge me on my music, you know. I think that's. I, 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 I don't think. It is, the label doesn't. It's a funny thing getting it, your label. It's like coming out of a doctor's surgery and then saying, oh, you've got ADHD. It doesn't really make any difference, you know.
1: Well, I wondered whether, uh, whether, whether you noticed a sort of release or a, a feeling of being energized then when when the music worked you, I, that doesn't yeah. sound very very well phrased but there's something about what you said when if, if, it, if it's not broke don't fix it and I was amazed that, that people got it so I wondered whether there was a moment of realisation that here is the language that that
0: I'm most at ease with that's a really good point I think well there's a, there's a, a long and short answer to that the, the, in terms of finding my sound that the getting my the language of my music, so that I was happy with it. Up, up in my sort of twenties and thirties, it was all TV and film music, and it was very much to a brief. And really, it was. At, um, although I was in my late thirties, I was desperate to start writing music as an individual and start to get my own sound out there. But. It took a long time to work out what that was, you know? It, it wasn't very obvious. But then when... when it a- actually kind of all started because I um, had I got drunk at a party and I, th- at this point I was scoring two or three TV shows at the same time. I was doing masses of library music, loads of advertising, and I was running a company in solo. And I was... It was it had a sh- stupid schedule. And this... Um, harpsichordist she said to me would you write a piece for harpsichord for me and um and usually i would say no i I, you know i can't do it i'm
1: partying
0: yeah so she said to me you know usually if someone had asked me i would have said look i'm only sorry i've got all these (laughs) i'm drunk don't ask me now (laughs) and literally (laughs) i was well not drunk but tipsy and i was like i was fairly very positive i said yeah i'll write your harpsichord piece so i wrote her this yeah, the next day I was like oh, why, why on earth am I what, what did I agree to you know and then I started writing this harpsichord piece and I just thought this is it you know and the piece itself isn't very strong it didn't matter it was just like this is what I want to do from was, it because, it, was it because she had asked you no it was just literally the process of writing was it was it was such a release to to suddenly not have a brief it was such an incredible feeling of it was like an epiphany and I wrote three movements in a day and a half and I was just like okay I'm going to change everything and so it was a looser brief and, uh, uh, you know in that it's a concerto
1: so it's there for, for a solo instrument I mean the brief is looser yes
0: no it, it, it is it's still a brief but there's not someone saying can you make it like this oh, Okay, see <laughs> what so, I mean if you're working in advertising whatever oh we, like, we want it like John Williams or we want it like this or we want it you know where suddenly it's your voice. That's a massive okay. fundamental difference between being a media composer and being a, you know, a composer in your own right.
1: When I hear your music, I do think as though I'm listening to a TV programme without the distraction of the TV programme.
0: Right. So that would be, I think... I hope, I hope that's landed
1: okay. I hope, you're not, <laughs> I hope you're not thinking, oh shit,
0: no. <laughs> um, my, my, so my music is uh, very thinkable and I think the fact that I wrote this enormous amount of music under lots of pseudonyms um it does play a role in that, but and, and sometimes a lot, a, a lot of my classical music started out as a, a library track, and then it suddenly developed into something. I thought, this isn't right for library, but it is right for. So the, the the difference between the two is in my classical releases is less than it one might think. Based on as far as I can hear, I hear a lot of
1: uh, repeated patterns, a lot of repeated patterns that are ever so slightly subverted. Uh, a lot of clarity, a lot of rhythm, and I have this this vague idea that as a kid you kind of quite liked cycling around a lot.
0: Yes, now that's okay. Oh, is is, that, is that
1: true? Absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it's a fairly fairly safe bet, yeah, I, know I mean,
0: Yeah, yeah, but no, I did particularly love cycling around. So and, and the, there's a lot
1: of joyousness in the music, and I just can't believe that that somebody who is miserable. Or who has a lot of miserable experience? That's some very judgmental thing to say. But but there's got to be, if you can write joy, there's got to be joy in your heart. And I and yeah. I hear, I hear that, and I hear it as a sort of a, almost like a childhood memory.
0: Yeah, I think I think, I I am, by and large, annoyingly happy. Um, right. <laughs> so okay. it's just, um, and and you know so, and I, you know I have. a a friend of mine, another composer, and he sort of says, oh, you know, you should be scoring these sort of drama series at the moment, really, you know, that's what you should be doing, and I was like, no, 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 you don't get it, I'm, I'm exactly the person who shouldn't be doing serious drama, because that's not a reflection of who I am, if, if, and, and the music that you create, no matter what area you're in, whether you're an artist, uh, or you're a composer, or music. it's got to reflect who you are. Otherwise, it's just going to be a decaffeinated music. It's not going to be the real thing. And so, yeah, I'm generally sort of s- super positive. So that com- come on. <laughs> yeah, I have
1: to tell you internally, I just think, God, you're annoying, I mean, I just think, really? Oh... I hear industry as well. I hear lots of sort of uh, industriousness going on in, in the school. In what sense? Um, I, yeah, I'm sorry to say this. I, I listen to, is it The Veil vale Between Worlds? Is that what it's called? So for example, I listen to the last movement and I just think that I feel as though I'm in an episode of Downton <laughs> with loads of people running around around me and I love it.
0: Right, okay. Well, That's, well, that's, that's, that's what I mean by industry. Right, that's really interesting. Um, and it, in that last moment seems to split people. But the, the oh, really? people There are, are some people who don't like it. No, no, it's just, it's literally that I've had very interesting response from, I, for only a few people have heard it because it's not out yet, but... Um,
1: when you say interesting, that sounds quite ambiguous. Yeah. Do you mean that they were quite <laughs> negative?
0: <laughs> no, I just, I, there was... Um, well...
1: I mean, they're probably not going to listen to this anyway, so you could just say you don't need to name them.
0: <laughs> I had one. I've generally had a really positive response, but one person was just like, "Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't kind of get into that." Uh, and that's interesting. That the veil between worlds um, is a ballet that was commissioned, mm. and um, and it was Pacific Northwest Ballet commissioned it, and I wrote it all just before the lockdown of course and so there's a huge delay before it then finally got performed in a sort of online performance um, and I think um, so that's always when I'm writing ballet music is very influenced by the choreographer that I'm working with and, and not so much their expectations but you know I, I need to create something that's going to inspire them to create choreography and so I need to write something that's very kind of rhythmical and clear that they can then dance to that. And that even to the extent that the first movement is 5'4? How can you dance to 5'4? And I said, Look, I said, D- You know. So you made your decision, and then he said, How on earth can you do this? This is awful. No, well, what happened? I asked, I said, He said, No, 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 no. He said, Because you've got these repetitive patterns, you yes. know, the dancers will get it, it'll be fine. And it was fine. Right. But it's interesting that, you know, because there's this, this kind of repetitiveness to, to my music, and it's not minimalist music. Um, per se, but, but I hear Glass as well. Yeah. I'm sorry
1: to say, no, no. I don't know whether that's a bad thing to say. I, I think
0: it's a good thing. I mean, right. I think he's wonderful. You
1: know, yeah. I think it's wonderful. Um, but I especially hear it in that movement, right. uh, and it sort of—it's almost like a gear shift. I think a lot. I think a lot of Glass's music is like that. There can be these sudden moments of. Uh, I may be doing being too nerdy. <laughs> thing I want to ask you about is Solace which is the album before yeah. that was recorded totally in isolation wasn't it? Yeah. All instrumentalists all isolated because it was m- through the pandemic. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> now we're getting the real you. <laughs> oh my goodness, God, your head in your goodness that, me.
0: It, it, I, 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 I loved it because it gave me you know, something beyond uh, doing lots of weeding in the garden garden, it g- gave me a real focus during those huge lockdown periods, yeah. um, but it was incredibly challenging. The biggest challenge with that working remotely is that it, it, you know with the, with, the, with the album that we 've just recorded, we'll pile into Abbey Road or pile into air studios and, and everything happens in that room so um, but the thing is when you 're when you've got people and soloists all dotted all over the place and and, and there literally was people all over the all over the world and um, you don't have the luxury of that feeling of ensemble and but but crucially you then have to start thinking because of the 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 order in which things had to happen you have to think a little bit like a conductor i'm not a conductor but i had to think about the tempo because you i, I didn't want like a just a solid click track throughout every track so I had to imagine, well, if, this, if, if the soloist and the orchestra were in the same room, would, would it get faster at this point? Would, it, would that be, you know? So you could kind of plan all of that. So I had to create like a, a, an initial version and then get yeah, So it, it, it was the most complex thing I've ever done. Um, but, it, it, but it led to a kind of unique sound, I guess. I
2: know there is a
0: bit of it was written um, I'd say about, about half and half Look trying to remember that because when I listen to this Mortal Man
1: it's Mortal Man yeah. with Grace Davidson I mean I find that almost heartbreaking I find it almost too much because I remember hearing that during the pandemic for the first time it's just like this is, this is so well selected it's almost too much for me to bear
0: Right.
1: Do you, when, when was that written?
0: well that was part of a project um was exploring um, with uh, a lyricist called John Delaney. And I was ex- we, we were exploring Irish mythology. And we... There's about... That's one song, that I think in total I've written about 25 minutes and I just selected that one for that album. Right. Um, maybe it's more like half an hour's music. So clearly my listening
1: experience is entirely different from how it was... Yeah, the impact of, from from how it was conceived, which is oh, a yeah, relief.
0: It was written. A, it was written a long time before the Right. Yeah, it was. And it, it was unrelated, but it just felt right for that disc. And um, uh, was that was
1: that a selection based on the experience that we were all having?
0: Uh, actually, it, it, not entirely. I just felt that it was the strongest song from that experimental route that he and I went down. I just thought this is. This is, it stood out and I felt okay, I think that's right for Solace so Solace is, is in a way because of its nature, it's like a group of strangers on a disc, they aren't massively related, they're related by the, the, the nature of how it was put together as opposed to the repertoire as a whole, do you see what I mean? So but it just felt that that, that song could, could do, and it did, you know, it did do really well. So,
1: so the material for uh the latest album the name of Air yeah. it's Air John Air. <laughs> um, that, some of that was written during lockdown yes yeah I think actually uh, not
0: the ballet not the ballet everything but the ballet
1: was written during okay. lockdown and yeah. including the one with wine glasses I hear wine glasses yes. in one of them
0: No, I, ha- I what happened was originally um, so I, I this was recorded literally at the last minute I just felt I listened through on, on Boxing Day just gone um, we were sort of discussing the album, and I just felt, oh, um. do you know what we we need some more songs on this album? It, just, it feels like we need some, and actually it felt it felt like, and I just <laughs> we're a bit short. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, well, it felt it felt to me as if I just sort of felt actually, do you know what? And, uh, we, uh, em and I, so my wife co-produces the albums and she said I think we should write some more songs for this album I said the orchestra's gone home I said it's Boxing Day we're mastering on the 10th of January and, she, and we were like yeah and then I went back and looked at the poems that Simon Littlefield had written and he sent more poetry than I actually needed when I wrote the the um, the mountain songs there were there were several more poems and I so I went back and I was sort of looking through them all and I just thought that could work really well. That could work well. And so then I, I, I selected those, those songs and uh, started working on them. And by, I think, a few days, I'd booked all the musicians in and we were, and Grace Davidson came in early January. Suddenly, I was mixing it and, and that was it. But the wine glasses. Oh, Sorry, so yes, the wine glasses. So <laughs> Sorry, obviously, the musicians yeah. and the music and yada, 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 but yeah, the wine, the wine glasses. glasses. Okay, so what happened was... I recorded it with the piano and, and I had um, like a little um, a sort of paddy synth sound in the background. I said, I don't know. wait a minute, what could, what could work really well? So, uh, let me just, I'm just going to grab the seat Um So what happened was, <laughs> I, I thought, wait, I could use a glass harmonica. You've got,
1: you've got your own TD in your own bag. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I brought it to
0: give to you. So. I always say, oh, well, that's very yeah. funny. Then, then I accept. <laughs> OK. <laughs> so Mira, of course, made a glass. And M said, yes. M said, oh, why didn't, you know, wine glasses. This is, this is going to work really well. I said, wow. OK, I'll, I'll try it. So I literally grabbed a few glasses from the cupboard, well, uh, one of them was totally duff, didn't work at all. You know, put some water, and then you just keep on putting water in until it's the right pitch. But, and then I found enough to start making chords. It's, it's actually quite so easy did to you do. you play them, then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. At home, yeah. on Boxing Day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, this, was, this would have been... <laughs> wow, Christmas like, uh, was really dull. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's a perfect Christmas, surely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Back to the annoying positive it, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, wow, he's just no, know uh, I, I really um, no. I just had fun with it. I just thought, well, let's try this. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of experiments I tried that, <laughs> that totally don't work at all. But this, it suddenly just felt right. It just worked really well.
1: Uh, so, are there more? Because it, I mean, your your discography has a similar sort of design ethos as well, which yes. is rather pleasing.
0: Yes. Yes. So, um, and there'll, there'll be a little post about the artwork. The the, and yes, there is. At the moment, I'm right in the middle of writing. Number, number eight, um, and which we recorded some of that already in the orchestral sessions we did in November. So that's all based around a piano. It uh, doesn't have a title yet, um, but it features heavily features uh, Beth and Flo, uh, pianists that I've worked with from, from Holland who, who've been playing my, my, my music out there. Um, the artwork, yeah, so um, Rebecca Manley, when I originally um, created when we recorded the London Symphony Orchestra with Carenza and Hugh Watkins we we created Flight and immediately, right from the beginning I wanted to have something that was as much an iconic sort of look to the artwork even though we didn't have a record deal or anything I was really keen on a a certain getting something that I think it was because I loved the whole tubular bells thing uh, not only did I like the album, but I love the concept that we have this sort of really strong identity to the album. So, and I did, I, I chatted to Rebecca Manley, who was the last person, funnily enough, that I met here, um, upstairs, talking about a film. In the business meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Back to the beginning. Right. And um, but, so, Rebecca, back in 2014, uh, came up with a bunch of ideas, and one of them was this kite. Um, Idea and, and uh, she'd drawn out and, and she created it in card and it, and it just stuck and I just loved it and so we've made all of them sort of very similar. And actually, you know, the first ballet, when Flight was turned into um, a ballet in, I can't remember where it was, um, somewhere in the States, I think Oklahoma, Tulsa Ballet. Um, mark created it as a, 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 as, a, as a ballet. He, the thing that attracted him to the album Was the artwork when he saw it on iTunes? It was just the artwork. He just, you know. So we're in such a sort of visual age that that for me is really important. So, yeah, Uh, Rebecca's amazing at just coming up with these wonderful designs.
1: I've got one other question, which is sort of bouncing around. Which is, if you were introduced to Synths when you were eleven years old, and Human League, and all of that, does that mean that you're a Nick Kershaw fan? Yeah, totally. Tell me about Nick Kershaw, and I'll see whether I agree with you.
0: Um, It's, you know what? (laughs)
1: That's very pompous, doesn't it? No,
0: No, the thing about Nick Kershaw, so he was a songwriter, aside from being a pop star himself, he was writing a lot of songs for other people. Um, And so, you know, he he had sort of two careers going on at the same time. Human Racing is the album that I sort of think is really strong. And actually, if I'm honest, there's only four tracks I will listen to over and over again and yeah the, the rest of his repertoire I'm not so mad about so you're not Not the riddle then not the not the riddle um. it sounds
1: like not
0: no oh my goodness
1: well. <laughs> thank goodness I asked this question right at the end then I just assumed that, that you would be really up for the because I thought I heard bits of but maybe that's just me making links. I thought I heard bits of the riddle in your writing. That was all. No,
0: no, not at all. I don't, I, no, not at all. Not standard. No, I stand it. No, uh, no, I don't. I actually, I'm trying to think. Good to I think
1: that, bizarrely, I think the riddle is the most. Whenever I hear it end to end, I just think this is the most well-produced.
0: Right, but uh,
1: have you not heard it? I don't think. I, wait a minute. No, I don't think I know it. It's like it's like a, a, a petrified um, landscape that he is pictured in front of. Oh. Um, and this is not Nick Cash I know. Then this is a development Even <laughs> racing, I think human racing was before, That's and Nick. First time. Yeah, uh, and uh, the riddle was like.
0: Eighty-five. Oh, so I've got to go and oh, check this out then. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm done well,
1: and I'm excited that I've I've introduced something to you. There we are. I See, hope, I I hope you. that you enjoy it. This is
0: all going to turn round. Um, <laughs> tell me about yourself and your childhood. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There's no time for that now. Um, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell me that I haven't
0: asked you? I think I think the uh, n- nothing is um, coming to my mind. I How nicely happened.
1: You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast presented by John Jacob. Follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter at Thoroughly Good, Thoroughly underscore good on Instagram, and Thoroughly Good me on Facebook.